0: Thank you, choir, for that ministry of music. Hopefully you'll be back tonight in order to hear the full cantata. It's going to be just a beautiful service. It always is with the the candlelight. If you haven't been here for one of those services, you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. We would strongly urge you to come back. And maybe it's not too late to invite some friends or relatives, others to join you in uh, celebrating the message of Christmas tonight in song. Sometimes when troubles arise, it can be a cause for us to question God's love for us. We may wonder, why has this terrible thing happened to me? Why am I in this dreadful situation? Is God angry with me? Has God forsaken me? Has God forgotten about me? Or has God stopped caring for me? I am glad to be able to say to you this morning that God will not stop at anything in taking care of us. Nothing can prevent God from taking care of us. And nothing will dissuade God from taking care of us. Nothing will prevent God from continually being gracious and merciful to us. But how do we know that to be true? What is the source of that confidence? What assurance is there for our souls? The answer is the theme of this morning's message. We can be absolutely confident that God will give us everything we need for salvation because God gave His Son for us. When it comes to salvation, as we said to the children, batteries are included. The verse for this morning is found in Romans chapter 8. We invite you to turn there. I'm just going to expound this one simple verse. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We're going to look at this verse in three sections. First, he who did not spare his own son. Secondly, but delivered him up for us all. Thirdly, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So we begin by noting that we can be confident this morning that God has given us everything we need for salvation because God did not spare his own son for us. Because God did not spare his own son for us. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. There are two connotations associated with that word spare that we want to address this morning. In what sense did God not spare His Son? Two senses. The first is that God did not spare Him in regards to judgment. God did not let Jesus off easy when it came to judgment. God is a God who... Will and does judge. And in the New Testament, there are a number of references to those whom God did not spare in his judgment. For example, God did not spare the fallen angels from judgment. 2 Peter 2 4. For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell. God did not spare them. He poured out His wrath upon them. He cast them into hell. God did not spare the ancient world in the days of Noah, but brought a flood against it. 2 Peter 2.5 And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And destroyed them utterly with the flood. God did not spare Sodom and Gomorrah when he rained down brimstone from heaven. Second Peter 2, 6. He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes. So God did not spare the angels, God did not spare the ancient world, God did not spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, but more remarkably, God did not spare His Son from judgment in putting Him to death on the cross. God inflicted His Son with no abatement, no letting up. In a more modern vernacular, He did not cut Him a break. God did not let Him off easy. God was relentless in pouring out His wrath upon His Son. God caused the Lord Jesus Christ to bear the full extent of God's wrath on the cross. Every aspect of God's punishment was endured by Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53 verse five, it says, "But he that is Christ, was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities." Isaiah 53:10, "But the Lord, God, was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. God exacted the full payment. Of God's justice justice in regards to sin. And as a result, God the Father was completely, completely, 100% satisfied. Isaiah 53, 11. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he shall see it, and be satisfied. Jesus completely satisfied the justice of God. Why? Because God did not spare him. God didn't let him off easy. He bore the full, complete consequence of our sin. Thus, we have the confidence that our sins are totally atoned for. Romans 8.33, the next verse says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. If God says he's satisfied, who's to say that God would be dissatisfied? And the thought for us this morning is, there is no suffering For us yet to suffer. No shame to endure. No judgment that has not been fully met. We have a full and complete acceptance with God. Because God did not spare his son. The second connotation in this idea of not sparing. Is that God did not spare in the sense that he withheld His son in saving us. God did not withhold the most precious gift in accomplishing our salvation. There is a parallel in our text to the encounter in Genesis chapter 12, excuse me, Genesis chapter 22, when God tells Abraham to offer up his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. And we read in Genesis 22.2, you don't need to turn there, but it says this. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So here is this beloved son, your only son. And I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Genesis 22.10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. You do not withhold your son. That's the way it's translated in the NAS, King James, and NIV. You did not withhold your son. It's the same Greek word in the Septuagint as this word in our text. For God not sparing his son. He did not withhold him. He did not withhold him. Yet, he did not require Abraham to actually go through and sacrifice his son. But God the Father went through. He carried it out. He actually sacrificed his Son for us. God did not hold anything back. He spared no expense. He kept nothing in reserve. He did not say anything was out of bounds that was necessary for our salvation. God was all in, as it were. He made the ultimate sacrifice in giving us His Son. He was fully, completely committed To our salvation. So much so that he didn't even withhold his son. That's how committed God was in saving us. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is not only the foundation of our salvation. It's also the security of our salvation. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Secondly, we can be confident this morning that we have everything we need for salvation because God sacrificed His Son for us. Verse 32, but delivered Him up for us all. The delivering of Christ is a deliverance to death. Handing him over to death as a means of accomplishing our salvation. Now, there are a number of agents, instruments, that God used in the process of delivering his son over to death. There are a number of people that the scripture refers to as delivering Jesus over to death. And they all had their motivations. And they were all wrong motivations. For example, Judas delivered Jesus to death motivated by covetousness and treachery. Matthew twenty six fourteen. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to deliver him up to you? And they weighed out to him 30 pieces of silver. So Judas was willing to deliver Jesus over to death in return for 30 pieces of silver. The high priests are said to deliver Jesus over to death out of malice and envy. Mark 15, and early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. And binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And then it says of Pilate, Matthew twenty seven eighteen. he knew that because of envy, they had delivered him up. They delivered him over to death, the high priests. Out of envy and malice. Pilate is said to deliver Jesus over to death. Mark fifteen fifteen. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him up to be crucified. So, Pilate delivered Jesus to death. Out of a desire for political gain. And an indifference to justice. But with all those people. That the scripture says. Delivered Jesus over to death. Our text. Emphasizes. That it was God. Who delivered Jesus. Over to death. Romans 8.32. He. That is, God did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us. It was God, ultimately, who put Jesus on that cross. Acts 2.23 This man, delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men. And put him to death. Peter on that great day of Pentecost. Stands up and says. You nailed Jesus to the cross. But. It was all done. By the predetermined plan. And will of God. Judas is delivering Jesus up. The high priests delivering Jesus up. Pilate delivering Jesus up. Everyone who delivered Jesus was ultimately serving the master plan of God. And God was not ashamed to let us know that ultimately it was He who delivered over His Son. What was His motivation? Judas? Greed. And treachery. The high priest? Envy and malice. Pilate's motivation? Political gain. What was God's motivation? Why did God do it? Why did God place Jesus on the cross? Answer? To save us. To save us. That was his motivation. Romans 4.25 He who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 4.25 He was delivered because of our transgressions. He was raised because of our justification. God delivered him over in order to save us. Then the question is, is there any chance of God's condemning us after He delivered His own Son in order to save us? Look at Romans 8.33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies Third point, we can be confident this morning that we have everything we need for salvation. Because God will give to us, along with Jesus Christ, everything we need to be saved. If God gave His Son in order to save us, how can we imagine that God would not give us everything we need to be saved? If God would give us His Son, If God were all in, if God gave that which is the most precious thing to Him, His Son, in order to save us, how can we imagine then that God would not indeed save us? Look at verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Now the next word. How? How will He not freely give us All things. How could that be? How has the force of what in the world would cause us to think such a thing? How in the world could you imagine that God would allow us to be lost after he gave his son for us? How would he allow Jesus Christ to die in vain? How could God pour our wrath upon Him and then still hold us accountable? How could God do that? Answer, He wouldn't. And He can't. Our text goes on to say, if God gave us His Son... God will give us all things. Look at verse 32. He who delivered not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? What are the all things? The all things are those things which are necessary for our salvation. Everything that we needed to be saved, God would give to us. He gave the necessary offering. He gave his son. He will call us. He will bring us under conviction. He will give us faith. He will give us righteousness. And He will give us eternal life. He will give us everything we need. In context, it's Romans 8:29 and 30. For whom He foreknow, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom He predestined them He also called, and whom He called, those He also justified, and whom He justified, those He also glorified. He will give us everything that is necessary to result in salvation. God will give us all these things freely. Verse 32. Freely. Salvation. Is a gift. Salvation is a gift. From beginning. To end. There is nothing. Nothing. In our salvation. That isn't a gift. Nothing. Every facet. Every aspect, every part of our salvation is a gift from God. Listen to these verses. As I said, salvation is a gift of God from beginning to end. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus... Is a gift. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Faith is a gift. Just quoted Ephesians 2.8 and 9. For by grace you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Righteousness is a gift. We spent last week in demonstrating that. Justification is a gift. Romans 3.24. Being justified is a gift by His grace. Eternal life is a gift. Romans 6.23, two weeks ago. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every facet of our salvation is a gift. None of it is earned. None of it is merited. Nothing is achieved by us. We bring nothing to the table. We just receive it. We're saved. As a result of God's gift. And the thought is that God will give us everything we need to be saved, along with giving us His Son. And the manner in which God gave Jesus shows us how freely God really gives it. For it tells us in verse 32. If God, uh, that uh, he will, he not also with him freely give us all things. The manner in which God gave Jesus shows how freely God will give us all things. How did he give us Christ? He gave us Christ when we did not ask for him. We didn't plead with God, send your son. We didn't devise the means of our salvation. Oh God, deliver me. Send your son. It wasn't our plan. It wasn't our idea. And it wasn't the result of our prayers. God's plan before the foundation of the world was to send his son. He gave Jesus Christ when he was not sought after. Romans says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. We didn't plead with Jesus to go, go to the cross for us. There was no one who asked Jesus to go to the cross for them. In fact, Peter tried to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross. When Jesus announced to him that he was going to go to the cross... Peter said, may it never be. And Jesus' response was to Peter, get thee far from me, Satan. For he was acting as a sinful person. Nobody asked Jesus to die for them. He died freely. He died willingly. He died graciously. And no one deserved Jesus Christ to die for them. Romans 5 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave that gift to us when we were sinful, undeserving, wretched. He gave that gift to us while we mocked, while we scorned, while we spat upon him, while we reviled him, while we shook our heads at him, and while we forsook him. Jesus Christ died for us. And Christ does not come empty handed. For notice verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also, and now these words, with him, with Christ, give us all things. Christ comes as a complete package. His person and work cannot and will not be divided. Christ was given to save. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they may know Thee, the only true God which Thou hast sent. He came to give eternal life to as many as the Father has given to Him. All things are freely given with Him. I want you to turn with me to a verse, because I know you know the verse. You probably could quote it with me. But I doubt you know the next verse. So let's look at James 1, verse 17. John 117, a verse you know, Uh, excuse me, James 117, I'll get it right, James 117, you turn in there, I can hear the pages rustle, thank you, James 117, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In other words, God gives these gifts without taking them back. God doesn't ask them in return. God is not an Indian giver. God doesn't give you this gift and then later say, you know, I wish I hadn't given it. Would you give that back? It was a little more costly than I thought. Give it back. Give it back. God doesn't change. He gives every perfect gift from above. And then notice the next verse. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. Brought us forth. NIV. Great translation of this verse. He chose to give us birth the word of truth. He chose to give us birth. That's what it means to be brought forth. Be brought forth in birth. The gift that He gave us was life. And every good and perfect gift, everything that's necessary for life, He's given. And we'll take any of it back. No exchanges after Christmas. It's yours to keep. The us in Romans 8.32 are those who would believe. Those who would believe. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. That pronoun is extremely important. He didn't deliver him for everyone. It's for us. Those who would believe. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, He died for you. If you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you bear your own sin. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ for everyone who would believe in Jesus. And with that gift, He will give you everything you need for salvation. To make us recipients of that love. God often proclaims His love for us. He proclaimed his love for Israel in the Old Testament. Malachi 1.2. It says this. I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you, says the Lord. But because Israel was afflicted and miserable, because they were going through such a difficult time in their life, they questioned God and they offered this rather bold question in Malachi 1.2. How have you loved us? You say you love us. How have you loved us? In what way have you loved us? God, what have you done for us recently? Maybe because of some of the difficulties and miseries and hardship of your life. You read verses that say God loves you. And just maybe you're tempted to say, how have you loved me? Look at what I'm going through. Look at what I'm experiencing. Look at the misery in my life. How have you loved me? The answer is, in giving His Son. He loved you in the greatest way imaginable. Romans 5.8 But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So too, God proclaims His love for us. If God would give His Son for us while we are yet sinners and made Him die for us, will He not completely and finally save us? Would God do less for us after we have placed our faith in Him than before we placed our faith in Him? Would He be less merciful to us who have been united to Christ than to us when we were apart from Christ? I've been quoting Romans 5.8 repeatedly this morning. I'd like you to turn with me again to Romans 5.8. And again, look at the verse that follows. Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates. God commits. God shows. God invokes. God applies. God acts. All of those our synonyms for demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now verse 9. Much more than. Well, that's a phrase to circle. Much more than. Having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Now that we have been declared righteous by God, how much more then is He going to save you from His wrath? How much more is He going to preserve you from eternal life? If He gave His Son and His Son died, what more can He require? What more can He ask? There is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. We're saved by God is a gift. It centers in His Son. And the batteries are included. Everything that is required of us in order to be saved, God gives as a gift from the very beginning the very end. The faith, the conviction, the righteousness, the eternal life, all a gift along with His Son. Conclusion. Herein is our confidence that God will love us not only yesterday and today, but for Evermore. Jeremiah 31 3. The Lord appeared unto him and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God has loved us with an everlasting, never ending love. We are to see. That God did not spare His Son in order to save us. In any sense of the word. He did not spare His Son in the sense of letting Him off easy. He paid the full and complete payment for sin. He did not spare His Son in the sense of withholding Him from us. Everything it took for us to be saved. Down to the very giving of His Son He was willing to do to save us. So how in the world can we think then that we won't be saved? How can you think that? That's what the text says. How can it be? How would God, after giving His Son, not save us? The same goodwill, the same love that God had in sending His Son is the same goodwill and love that will welcome us into his presence. In times of adversity and hardship, we may be prone to respond to those statements of God, I loved you, how have you loved us? What have you done for me lately? The answer to that is, he gave us his son. And He gave us everything else. The great news this morning is, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have forgiveness of sins today and forevermore. There is nothing else for you to do. There is no except Jesus Christ and. There is no except Jesus Christ therefore It is a gift. Here it is. Salvation. Do you want it? You can have it. It's simply a gift. He gave us His Son. Have you received that gift? Have you acknowledged your need of a Savior? Have you come to the realization that there was no way for me to be saved apart from Jesus Christ or God would never have sent Him? God would never have exacted that kind of punishment. God would have never done those things. I hope you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have, thank God because it's a gift of His grace. Thank God for it's a product of His working in your life. Thank God And know, and know, and know that you have eternal life from now and evermore. How do you know? Because he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for the great gift that was given to us. So that we would have eternal life. And oh God, we are thankful that with that gift of Your Son, You gave all things. Absolutely everything that's associated with salvation, You have given to us. Nothing for us to do. Nothing for us to further It's all a gift. So, Lord, this morning, we who know You as our Lord and Savior, give thanks for Your unspeakable gift. You who give every good and perfect gift from above. You in whom there is no shadow of turning, no changing of your mind, No Indian giving. And we thank You for that gift, that birth of life. Help us to rejoice in You today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.